Welcome to Rewitched, a charmed 1998 rewatch podcast. Join us on our journey as we recap, examine, and critique the series episode by episode from the beginning. We'll be keeping our podcast spoiler free, so we welcome fans, new and old, to join us in watching and reflecting on one of our favorite shows. Currently, we're on season one. I'm your host, Jess Savanko. And I'm your host, Mia Savanko. Now let's get into this week's episode. This week, we're discussing Season 1, Episode 8, The Truth is Out There and It Hurts. It originally aired on November 25, 1998 and had 5.45 million viewers. So, this episode starts with a man who is walking to his car in this parking garage. And he sees this guy who's standing by his car, who's very creepy, and starts kind of talking to him about his work. The guy standing by his car is like, oh, I've, you know, I've heard of you, like, and your work. I'm very impressed by it, and starts, like, gassing him up, but in the most creepy, monotone way. And then he tells him that he's going to help find the vaccine. And the other guy is very confused and is like, what vaccine are you talking about? And he says, the vaccine against this. And then all of a sudden this third eye appears on his forehead and he kills the guy who was trying to get to his car with this like laser that goes to his forehead. I I don't know how to describe that, but (laughs) it just kind of shoots out of the third eye. And... Well, that's how that one ends, that scene. Pretty much yeah. just the intro. Yeah, so the one thing I noted in that scene, um, because we'll see it happen throughout the episode every time this, like, we'll just call him the bad guy of the episode for now, I guess. So every time yeah. the bad guy shows up, he always starts out by saying, like, oh, are you Mr. or Mrs., like, whatever their last name is, and then their first name, and, like, the weirdest yeah, thing is, like, their first name is. are you Dr. Mitchell? Dr. Oliver Mitchell in this scene? And I'm just yeah. like, okay, like. <laughs> <laughs> That's his, like, iconic line to introduce them, like, first and last name when he first makes himself noticed. I don't know. Super creepy and weird. But, uh, everyone's got their thing, I guess. <laughs> So then we move to the next scene, and we're outside of, like, a movie theater, and Phoebe's standing there. She has a magic eight ball in her hand. She's kind of shaking it and playing with it. Prue and Piper are already waiting in line as Phoebe approaches them, and Prue kind of makes a joke about how Phoebe can see the future. Why does she need a magic eight ball? And Phoebe says that her visions don't help her. Piper wants to ask the magic eight ball if Prue and Andy will get back together, and They look at it and they're like, ooh, interesting. And then Prue goes to look at what it said and they like shake it so she can't see the response that it came up with. (laughs) Piper gets a call just then and says that she needs to go work back to work because her boss Martin is calling her. They tell her to just stand up to him already that he's been doing this for weeks and she's been saying she was going to stand up to him and hasn't. She leaves. Phoebe says that she'll walk with Piper to the car because it's safer for them to go together. As they're walking, Phoebe bumps into the bad guy from before, and she has a vision of a woman being killed in the same way that we saw 
Dr. Oliver Mitchell killed in the first scene. She tells Piper about her premonition, and just then they start hearing cop sirens and, like, these police cars are going by, so they start running after them. They arrive at the garage, and as they do, we find out that Prue also ran with them because she gets there too. And Piper says, um, as they see the body and kind of the cops and everything, Phoebe saw this murder before it happened, and Phoebe says, no, not this one. I think I saw the next one. And then we go to the theme music. Yes. So, sounds like a lot was going on in that scene, and I guess there kind of was, but it was just kind of long. (laughs) I feel like some of, well, a lot of that scene was, actually the entire thing was pretty much just foreshadowing for what's to come. I mean, they mention Piper and how she's being overworked, they mention Prue and Andy, and then they see the you know, the the dead guy and the premonition of the next victim. So, you know, it's pretty much just foreshadowing for what's to come because all of those things are three main plots in the episode. Yeah, definitely. I think one thing I'll ask about this scene, I'm kind of wondering because I don't think they ever specifically said, how long has it been since Prue and Andy's breakup? Because if it was like two days ago, it's really insensitive for like Piper and Phoebe to be joking around like this about the breakup (laughs) versus like if it was like three weeks ago or something. Yeah, like Prue is definitely hurting over this. (laughs) They love each other so much and they're like, ooh, are you guys going to get back together? You'll never know, like just (laughs) screwing with her. Although I feel like that's totally something I do. I'm just a bitch like that. (laughs) (laughs) True. Like, I'd be sitting here, like, crying, like, me and Andy broke up. And you'd be like, will you get back together? I don't know. (laughs) Making jokes about it. You'd be pissed and I'd be cracking up. (laughs) (laughs) So after that, we go back to the manor. And it's the next morning. And Piper is pouring coffee or making coffee in the kitchen. And then Phoebe comes in, and she grabs cereal and starts to pour her cereal. And then Prue comes in, and she grabs some of the coffee that Piper made and grabs the paper. She sits down, and she asks Piper if the coffee is leaded, which I have no idea what that means. I think it means decaf. Okay. I've always wondered. Like, every time I watch this episode, I'm like, what the hell is she talking about leaded? But anyways... Prue asks Piper if the coffee is leaded, and Piper says, like, yes, always is. And that's when Leo comes in the kitchen and says good morning to all the girls, and that he wants to go look at the staircase today, says that it should be a quick job. And then Piper says okay, and that she'll bring him some coffee. And then Phoebe and Piper get into their little banter-ish argument over Leo, where they're like, debating on who should bring him the coffee and whatever just messing around and then in the end Piper brings him the coffee and then Prue turns to Phoebe and is like you know you're only into him because Piper is and Phoebe's like that is so not true I'm wounded and then Prue says that there's nothing in the papers about the murder and Phoebe doesn't have a lot of info on the girl like on what the girl looks like or how to find the girl from her premonition. So Phoebe wants suggests that Prue talks to Andy because 
the police are obviously going to know about the case and uh, she needs more information to save this girl. Prue doesn't want to go see him because they just broke up and doesn't want, you know, obviously that'd be super weird. So Phoebe says that she'll go see him while Prue looks in the Book of Shadows for the demon. Yeah, so the one thing that really stands out to me in that scene, when we go back to the very beginning, like, we see Piper pouring the coffee, right, and she's setting up, like, the three cups. Then we see Phoebe enter, and, like, even though she only pours one bowl of cereal, she brings out three kinds and three bowls. And, like, when Prue sits down with the paper, she separates it three ways. So they kind of have this very, like, cute little morning routine where they're clearly doing things for each other as well as for themselves when they're doing this. I thought that was adorable, too. I was thinking that I can't, like, I wish. I always, like, try to, I I wish I would have something go that smoothly, but it really only happens like that in movies. Like, I think it's adorable. <laughs> like, that would never happen in real life, that, like, everyone just has their position and grabs that for everyone. That would be the dream, though. It's also just funny the way, like, the show establishes that even though they're all clearly living on very different schedules, they all get up at the same time in the morning and, like, do the same things. Because, like, if Piper works in a restaurant, she probably doesn't start work at the same time as Prue, who starts, who, like, works in an office. And Phoebe's unemployed, so why would she be up at 8 a.m. or whatever time it is that Prue's getting ready to go to work? Right. I was thinking, I was, I think about that, too. Like, they're, they always somehow happen to be home or get home around the same times which is also a little bit confusing like at night when Piper will come home from work and Prue will come home from work and it's like well Prue has an office job that's like a nine to five and Prue works in a restaurant that's more of a nighttime restaurant so it's like a what 11 to like midnight you would think like I don't (laughs) I don't know from my experience at least yeah but you know I guess it's just the show's sake. If I was Phoebe, I would not be getting up nearly as early as them. Doesn't make any sense to me. But yeah, so then we go up to the attic where Prue is looking in the Book of Shadow and she's looking for demons to try to figure out, you know, who might be the killer from Phoebe's vision. And eventually it's not going her way, so she gives up and she closes the book. She leaves, and as she's starting to walk away, the book starts turning on its own, and it lands on the truth spell. This happens twice, and then she closes the book again because she's not interested in this truth spell. She leaves the room, and when she leaves, it does it one more time. Yes. So obviously something really wants her to cast this truth spell. wonder why. (laughs) (laughs) Can't wait to find out. And then... We go to Quake, and Piper is on the phone, and she's spilling stuff. She's working in the middle of the restaurant as opposed to in her own office, and she's just very clearly stressed and overwhelmed, having a lot of things to do in the restaurant. And that's when her boss, Martin, comes up and gives her another workload to do, and he's very rude about it to her. And she go as he's walking away, she's starting to, she goes up and is like Martin, as if she's about to say something and actually tell him off. And then she kind of chickens out and is just like, you know, I think I'm going to need the number for the produce that you want, just asked me to do. So she chickens out of telling him off and then she just continues to overwork herself. And yeah, that's the end of that. 
Yeah, I think the main, you know, use of this scene is kind of just to establish just how bad this work environment is for Piper. Like, we found out that he, like, took the desk away from her office. She literally has to work, like, at the bar, even though it's crowded. And then she's getting in trouble and told to take work home, which is just crazy. I know. Nuts. Like, they're 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 not gi- he's not giving piper any opportunity to breathe here <laughs> like no. piper's fault. i could never just not say something if i was in a position like that piper's a little bit of a pathetic mess in this episode <laughs> Damn, <that'd> be harsh <laughs> sorry piper but get it together sweetie you're too you're too good for this shit I totally agree with her being too good for it. I like, I just think about it and I'm like, I don't even know what I would do if I were put in this type of situation. Cause like, I, I feel, feel like, like I'm the type of person. Of the same. I feel like you wouldn't say anything or like, yeah, that's probably true. I'd probably just like go home and be so mad, but then like, just go there and like do it anyway. Yeah. You'd just like go to the bathroom and then cry, like, and do your work on the toilet or something. <laughs> <laughs> me i would i would definitely say something i would i think i'd just walk out like knowing me i'd just be like forget it not worth it because that's how i look at things i'm like do i like am, is this worth it to me do i is this actually something i care about and enjoy no okay then i'm not putting myself through this yeah and i like seeing like over the span of the episode kind of the way piper does finally like reach that point by the end of kind of standing up for herself so i'm excited to talk about that when it comes to me too um so then in the next scene we go to buckland's and prue is at her desk and on the corner of her desk there's a picture of her and andy Phoebe enters and she asks to borrow Prue's laptop so she can research the burns on the victim's foreheads. She says that she went to the station and she talked to Morris and Prue's kind of like, oh, you told him about the case. And she's like, I didn't have to. All the inspectors are talking about it and they're all stumped. They can't figure out what's going on. Prue asks if she saw Andy and Phoebe says that she did see him in the parking lot. She says he had that look. She might recognize it from the mirror. So saying kind of that they both look sad and clearly miss each other. She tells her to just tell him the truth. If that's the only thing keeping them apart, she doesn't get why Prue won't just tell him their secret. Prue says that she's worried that he can't handle it. And Phoebe says, if not, you'll never know if it could have worked out. And that's when she leaves with the laptop. Just as Phoebe is leaving, we see a girl with a sandwich cart enter, and it's the girl from Phoebe's vision, so Phoebe just missed her. And she says to Prue that she saved her her favorite. Prue takes it, and Tanya leaves. Then Prue sits down and sadly looks at the picture of her and Andy. It just breaks my heart. It's so sad because... They they really show how much her and Andy care about each other, like, really well. Especially in this episode, like, you can see so much of Prue's emotion, and even Andy's, you know? Like, it's it's not easy for either of them, and I just... It's just so sad. Like, I love them together so much. I don't... I want them to get back together. 
Yeah, no, me too. I'm definitely feeling the same way. And, you know, at this point in the episode, I am feeling that hope. So as we get later in the episode, I'll talk more about how I'm feeling about where their relationship might go. Pretending I don't know. But um, (laughs) I like, you know, it's, this is a hard episode to watch. I think they really portray this feeling of going through a breakup like this so well in this scene. And I really, really, really love all the subtle moments we're getting. I mean, yeah, is the picture on her desk a little heavy-handed? Maybe. Should it have appeared there a few episodes ago so it wasn't just like a prop for the use of her sadness in this episode? Yes, definitely. But I do like the way, you know, especially Phoebe's pointing out, like, the look on his face is the same as the one on yours. And that just yeah. tells us everything we need to know. It speaks about, it. Like, I mean, like, it speaks to this, like, sometimes love isn't enough kind of, kind of thing, you know, because Prue and Andy still really care about each other. They didn't end on bad terms, you know, and they love each other, obviously, but there's just something there that they just can't be together. And it does, it, it's sad and it hurts, but it's reality. And I love that. I love that they have that in the show, you know? Yeah. Like it's kind of realistic in a way, I think. Mm-hmm. Aside from the whole being witches part. <laughs> <laughs> this whole big secret, saving the world every day. Okay, so then we go back to the manor and Prue is now in the attic. And she's looking at the Book of Shadows, which is opened on the truth spell. And she's like, okay, book, you win. And she starts reading the truth spell. And then we kind of, like, cut to downstairs. And it's Piper and Phoebe walking into the house at the same time. So, you know, Prue, they were just getting home. Prue didn't know they were there. And Prue continues to read the spell. And then we go back to Phoebe and Piper, and Phoebe is like, oh, I guess, so I guess you didn't talk to your boss, because Piper has all this work that she brought home. And Piper goes, of course I did, just like I said I would. And then she asks Phoebe if she's getting a zit on her chin, and Phoebe's like, no, you can't even see it. And then we go back to Prue continuing to read, and it says, those who are in this house, which kind of just tells us like that that's put into the spell so it tells us that it's going to work on everybody that's in the house at the moment and then go back to piper and she's piper and phoebe and piper's like you really can't see it and this is after prue finishes the spell so when piper's like you really can't see it phoebe goes are you kidding that thing looks like it has a life of its own (laughs) So the obviously the truth spell's working. Phoebe had to tell the truth there. Didn't mean to, but she did. And then Piper gets a little confused. Phoebe turns to her and says, so you really told off Martin, huh? And Piper's like, no, I chickened out. And they both kind of are just like confused as to why they just said those things. But we know it's the truth spell making them do that. And then... After that, it's it goes back to Prue in the attic, and she's calling Andy, and it goes to voicemail, so she leaves him this message, which is, like, super, like, awkward and flustered, and she's basically just asking him to call her within the next 24 hours because she needs to talk to him about something. 
and that's the end of that scene the <laughs> yeah I like the way they kind of set up the truth spell with these little like sisterly comments here like with the everything happening with you know kind of Phoebe and Piper in that scene and like the little things they would lie about to each other coming out is really funny and like well done to kind of show us what's happening with the spell yeah and I like the way you described, you know, Prue's message to Andy. I literally wrote in my notes, long, awkward ramble telling him to call her back. Yeah. <laughs> That's like pretty much in what I wrote. I was just like, it's super awkward and chaotic. Like her message is all over the place. She's a wreck. Like <laughs> she's in shambles right now. <laughs> oh, my God. But yeah, that was pretty much just them setting up the truth spell and doing the truth spell. And I I thought it was cute the way they did that with the little like lies about the sisterly, like those little sisterly conversations. And that's pretty much, I feel like how that would go. You know, you're like, am I the bit right here? And you're like, nah, you can't even see it. But like, actually you're like, yeah. like, <laughs> like things like that. They just threw it in there to show the truth spell. And I thought that was a good way of doing it. Yeah, so far, I'm really liking the pacing of this episode. I think the dialogue's good. I think the dynamics are set up well. Like, I think this is structure-wise, so far, looking like a really strong episode. Yeah, I agree. So then in the next scene, we're at a lab, and there is a guy working. The bad guy approaches, and he's kind of like, Mr. Pearson, Mr. Alex Pearson. and asks about his work. He starts talking about how he's working on some issues with crops in Zimbabwe. And the bad guy says, your work will put an end to that. And that's when Alex asks him if he's from the foundation, I guess the foundation that's supporting his research. And the bad guy replies, no, but I've studied your work. Someday you will help find the vaccine. And, you know, Alex is, of course, confused by this. They kind of go back and forth a little bit. They start grabbing him and stuff. And he says, what do you want? And he says, your future. Um, and that's when Alex grabs a button and it falls off of the bad guy's shirt and goes onto the ground. And then that's when the bad guy grows his third eye again the blue laser comes out and Alex is killed. Beautiful work in that scene. <laughs> I love the I love the blue laser just like shooting through the other guy's forehead. I think it's I mean top tier 90s <laughs> editing like <laughs> Oh my the earlier scenes the way they they showed magic was just it's just great. It's beautiful. I love it so much. Yeah, it's just, it's so funny when you look back, because when you watch some of the later seasons, obviously, because, you know, it ends up being a successful show, it ran for eight seasons, they obviously get a much higher budget later on, so a lot of the effects, one, because time is passing and they're just getting better in general, but two, because they can actually afford to pay, like, right. better special effects artists to come in and work on it, it's just so funny to see the difference between, like, season one versus, like, season five special effects. Yeah, when I would, like, watch the ending of it and then I'd go to restart it it was like oh the you know the ending effects are what obviously I knew more of now because that's what I've been watching whenever I was watching the whole uh, episode 
I mean, the whole show. And then I, when I go to restart it and I see the difference from beginning to end, I'm like, wow, it cracks me up every single time. It's so different. <laughs> but it's good. I like that it gets better. I don't even I don't even mind that it's a little bit choppy in the beginning season. It doesn't bug me because I still think it's just such a good show. You know what? It's just camp. You know what I mean? You just throw those bad special effects in there and it's just it's camp. I love it. <laughs> but yeah, in this scene, they, you know, he's just killing the next victim and then we don't get too much information, but we do get that button that falls off of his shirt, which does become useful later in the episode. And after this, we cut to the manor, and it's the next morning after she casts the truth spell. And they're back to doing their routine. Piper's making the coffee. Prue comes in and takes some coffee and goes to read the paper. And she's like, asks Piper, is this leaded? And truth spell comes out. And she says, no, it never has been leaded. Uh... And she says she's never made it that way because she thinks it's just ridiculous to have to make two completely different pots of coffee. And then Phoebe walks in and says that she was up all night on the internet looking for information on this girl and can't find anything. And then Phoebe apologizes to Piper about the the crack she made about her zit last night. And Piper's like, oh, that's okay. You really can't see it, though. And (laughs) Phoebe's like, like I said, it's huge. And they're all, like, super, or at least Piper and Phoebe are both, like, a little confused. They're like, why are we just blurting these things out? And then they're like, something weird is going on. And that's when Leo comes in, and he says that he should be able to finish the stairs today. And Piper's like, okay, I'll make you some more coffee. And Phoebe's like, and I'll bring it to you. And then they're kind of like, here we go again, and start, you know, kind of bantering about that. And then... Phoebe says, we both know the only reason I like Leo is because you do. And then she's flabbergasted that she said that. (laughs) And they both look at Prue and are like, what the hell is going on? And Prue tries to avoid them and run out. She's like, oh, I got to go. I'm late for work. And they stop her and they're like, tell us what's going on. And she tells them that she casted the truth spell. And they're both very shocked and they ask her why. She tells them that she wanted to know what Andy would think about her being a witch, and that's why she wanted to cast it. And Phoebe gets, like, really proud of her that she finally used her powers for personal gain and listened, like, took Phoebe's advice and found a way to tell Andy. And Piper starts freaking out about how it it affects, uh, how it's affecting Phoebe and Piper, too. And Prue is like, well, it was only supposed to work on the people in the house. I thought I was in the house alone. And Prue mentions that it's a 24-hour time limit spell. So everyone they come into contact with has to tell the truth. And Phoebe, like, asks Prue a question to test out the truth spell. She says, what do you think of me? And Prue says, I admire your confidence and fearlessness. Your utter lack of responsibility frustrates me to no end. And Piper's like, oh my god, this could be dangerous. (laughs) She's freaking out. Like, just anything Piper says in this scene is just anxiety. Like, the epitome of anxiety. Phoebe loves it and then asks Piper what she really thinks of her boss, Martin. And Piper says, I think he's a self-serving jerk who must have a very small penis. (laughs) Always cracks me up. 
And then Prue mentioned that once the spell ends, no one will remember what they've heard. And Piper wants them to just kind of stay inside and avoid it until the spell is up. But Phoebe then realizes that anyone she comes into contact, like or like she realizes that she can ask a question to anyone and they have to tell the truth, even though if someone asks them a question, they also have to tell the truth back. And it's it was like she had a realization, like she was going to use that for something, I assume, to find information on the girl. Um, so she walks out of the house to go do that. Piper is bugging out and doesn't even, <laughs> doesn't want anything to do with this. And then when Phoebe walks out the door, she turns to Prue and is like, don't even think of asking what I think of you right now. And that's the end of that scene. Yeah, so most of the scene, you know, I really like. The dynamic. I love when Prue is like, at first, when they're, Phoebe's like, I can't believe you did this. And Prue's like, look who's talking, little Miss Spell of the Week, before Phoebe is like, no, 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 I'm proud of you. Yeah. <laughs> the complete wrong way. <laughs> and then the other thing, you know, I mean, I'll just mention it. Like, I know it's kind of a funny line when they're talking about, like, Piper's boss, and they're like, oh, he's a self-serving jerk who must have a very small penis, but it's like, we shouldn't body shame men, you know what I mean? Like, we wouldn't be cool if someone said something like that about a woman, so, like, we shouldn't be cool with it that way either. Like, there are other things you could say about him to imply that he sucks without having to be like, oh, like, he must have a small penis. I mean, it's it's just the truth spell, you know? (laughs) She couldn't control it any better than we can, you know, (laughs) her thoughts. But yeah, no, you're right. There's definitely other ways they could have directed that. But it was, it was a funny line. I will say. So basically there, it's just them figuring out that the truth spell worked and kind of how it works and, you know, what they're able to do with it. And then that's it. That's all I got out of that one. Yeah, same. So then we move to the police station where Phoebe has gone to talk to Andy because she wants to ask questions about the um, case. And she's kind of like, oh, have you talked to Prue? And because of the truth spell, you know, instead of just saying no, he's like, I'm not sure. Uh, She called me. I don't know if I want to call her back. And Phoebe says, no, you definitely do. And asks him about the murders. And he starts telling her all the details that obviously he normally wouldn't reveal because it's supposed to be confidential. And she just keeps asking questions. Andy mentions that there was a button at the crime seat made of an alloy that forensics has never seen before. And then he's weirded out by the fact that, you know, he's telling her all this information that obviously he's not supposed to. He starts to ask Phoebe questions and she's kind of like, no, no, no. She's like, don't forget to call crew by eight o'clock tonight. And then he just kind of like is making this weird face and just gives her a thumbs up and then she leaves. (laughs) I know. Andy, I wish there was a way to like describe Andy's face in that scene. It was so, he was so like shocked and confused at himself for responding to all of the things Phoebe was <laughs> and the way he covered had his mouth covered at the end because he just like didn't want to keep speaking it was it was just hilarious to me I loved it 
But even there in that scene when she first comes in and he's like, no, I wasn't sure if I wanted to call her back or not. He looked so, so hurt, you know? He just looked so sad. Breaks my heart. Yeah, definitely. And it's funny because, you know, I've never really examined him so closely before, before this rewatch. I've always just kind of liked Andy and I was like, oh, Andy's cool, whatever. But watching these scenes and really analyzing them, like, T.W. King, who plays Andy, is a really really strong actor like a lot of the ways he portrays these scenes that he's in like I don't know how he captures this character so perfectly and I just genuinely just want to compliment the shit out of him for that no me too honestly the same I the same exact thing with me I always liked Andy's character in the show but I never really like dug that deep into him and now that we're watching it again this time I see how well he portrays his character and portrays the emotion and even when he's like kind of like pretty serious and I I don't know like tries to like even the way I feel like I noticed later in this scene he tries to I I guess you know we'll we'll get to it when we get to it but (laughs) he'll try to act like he doesn't care as much as he actually does and he portrays that really well, like that you're able to see that he's trying to act like he doesn't care, but deep down he really does. And I feel like that's a hard thing to do to act out, you know, but he does it really well. And I, I noted that was like a something that I noticed in this episode, but we'll get to that when it comes up later. Yeah, definitely. So after that, we cut to Prue's office. And she's in there kind of, like, very obviously nervous, anxious, waiting for Andy to call her back. And then she gets a phone call and picks up the phone really fast, like, right away to answer. And Andy, it is Andy calling her. And he's like, Phoebe said I should give you a call. And Prue's like, well, can we meet? I don't want to talk over the phone. And he's like, should I be dreading this? And she's like, I don't know, but what are you doing for dinner, like an early dinner? And Andy says that he's interviewing a witness at five so he can go with her after that. And Prue's like, that's fine. And they hang up and Tanya, the sandwich girl, and Hannah walk into Prue's office. And Hannah's just like personal call Prue, seeing that she was on the phone. And then Prue's like, personal business, Hannah. Then Hannah takes the last of Prue's favorite sandwich, turkey with no mayo, and she's like, oh, my favorite, and then Tanya's like, well, actually, I was saving that for Prue, and Hannah just doesn't care, (laughs) once takes the sandwich anyways, and then Prue's like, don't you hate turkey, and she says, because of the truth spell, of course I do, I just don't want you to have it. And then Prue's like, is there any particular reason you're such a bitch to me? And she says, yes, because it's my mission in life to destroy you. (laughs) Like, Prue, you should have picked up on the red flag there. When someone's truth is that their mission in life is to destroy you, and you're a witch, maybe consider the possibility that they're a demon? I don't know. feel like it would have crossed my mind. If I was if I was them, I wouldn't trust anybody. Like I feel like I'd sit there and think everyone might be a demon or a warlock or like another witch or might have something, you know? I'd be like nothing in my life can go smooth anymore. I don't know. But 
anyways, as Hannah says that it's her mission in life to destroy Prue, Rex walks in and kind of overhears her and then just kind of makes a crack about office rivalry between her and Prue and to just try to, like, diffuse the situation, I guess, and pulls Hannah out of the room. And then Hannah and Rex go into Rex's office, and Rex kind of gets mad at her for saying what she said, and Hannah's like, God, she's just so Prue. And then she's like, forgive me, and they have another one of their really weird, like, sexual tension moments that they always seem to have make me so uncomfortable and then hannah lights his cigar with her mouth like okay i'm just gonna say that was hot like i normally see their seeds and i'm disgusted but i saw that and i was like "Mm, okay like it says in my notes like she blows his cigar hot (laughs) (laughs) i didn't i definitely didn't see it that way i don't know i didn't I didn't like the way she was acting in the scene. Like, I didn't think the acting was, like, top tier there. It was not. No, it definitely wasn't, but I don't know. Just something about that, like, firepower. I don't know. I, I just. Yeah. I liked it. I guess I can get that. <laughs> I, can, I can get how that would be cute, but I don't. I don't know. Uh, yeah. it, they, they just always, like, make me uncomfortable. I feel like their scenes are so weird. Like, I don't know. Like, they just this weird sexual tension and it's always like it's like they're turned on about like being demons which i guess i mean i guess that's what they're supposed to do but it just is like an uncomfortable thing to watch yeah and i think the most uncomfortable thing about it is they never actually do anything like i feel like i would be less uncomfortable if they just started like going at it on the desk or something instead of just like awkwardly like doing these little subtle like let me pet your face or like let me like blow your cigar sexually like it's very like and that's another thing is that it never gets like told that they're boyfriend and girlfriend or anything you know like it's not like they're a couple like it, it seems like they are but I don't think they are and I don't know I don't know exactly their dynamic but it's just like if that was maybe their dynamic, then it would make a little more sense to me. But I don't know, for some reason in my head, it's just like, okay, this is like super weird and uncomfortable. Yeah, and the other thing that like weirds me out about their dynamic is like in their like personas as like Rex and Hannah, the co-workers, like he's the boss and she's like the employee or whatever. And it also seems like whatever type of demons they are or whatever, he's kind of the boss and she's below him too. So it also makes their, like, sexual dynamic kind of, like, weird and uncomfortable for that reason, because it's very clear that he's in charge of her, which I don't really like. Yeah. You know what? I think that is what it is. Like, Hannah's, like, his little bitch. That's that's what it is. That's the thing that bothers me about their dynamic, because it's not like they're boyfriend and girlfriend. It's, like, he's above her, and she's, like, his like slave you know what I mean like I don't know like he he's in charge of her she has to do whatever he says like I just don't it's just weird like I don't like that it's not (laughs) yeah no it's a very uncomfortable dynamic and like part of me kind of wishes especially since this is a show that you know is supposed to be so much about like these women who are in power 
I wonder how I would feel about their dynamic if it was in the reverse. Like if she was kind of the one in charge and he was acting like that towards her, I wonder if it would make me feel as uncomfortable as like this gendered version of it does. Right. I wonder if the show, like they do stuff like this on purpose where they, to just kind of like call attention to things like that. Because then at the same time, it, it's like it, it, it's like it calls attention to those like other you know real world issues but then also shows empowered women you know and then it's like oh well here's what you can be so I don't know maybe it's on purpose or maybe it's just like it's just the 90s mindset you know what I mean yeah and I think kind of going off what you're saying like it could be on purpose right because like maybe we're meant to compare sort of prove to Hannah in the way that not only are they office rivals or whatever which clearly seems to be mostly coming from Hannah it doesn't really seem like Prue has an issue with Hannah just the other way around so it's kind of like maybe this woman who is trapped in this situation where she's like put to be lower by man or by a man feels uncomfortable around a woman who isn't putting herself in that same box or isn't forced to be in that same box right right yeah that was kind of what I was thinking too that maybe like it's just a subtle hint to something like that so (laughs) could be so then after that we go back to the manor and Piper is on the phone with Martin and she says she can't work tonight she has to do the books And as she's talking, he keeps cutting her off. And eventually she's like, okay, I'm on my way. That's when Leo enters and he had spilled his coffee on himself. And he's like, oh, can I use the washer? And Piper's like, yeah, of course, you know. And then she's kind of like, Leo, wait, can I ask you a question? And he's like, sure. And she like starts to say something. And then she's like, do you need another shirt? And he's like, no, I have one in the truck. And then she's like, no, that wasn't my question. And then it kind of cuts back to them. And she says, I was just wondering, do you ever think of me? And he says, yeah. And she says, in what way? As a friend sort of way? Or, and he says, you have beautiful eyes. And she says, that's a good way. And then he kind of apologizes for saying that, because obviously it's the truth spell that made him say that. And then Piper's kind of like, screw it. Leo, how do you feel about women who make the first move? And he says, I don't know. I'm still waiting for it to happen. And they fucking kiss. (laughs) And then right after, he's like, how do you feel about guys who make the second move? And she's like, love them. And they just start kissing again. And I'm like, my entire heart is in this now. Like, yes. (laughs) Is in this now? (laughs) That's exact from the start. Like they just like beautiful. I love Piper and Leo. I love Piper and Leo. And the way that she was the one who made the first move and she was so nervous and then she went like they're both so nervous but obviously into each other and then they have that cute little moment of like the first and the second move and then they both are the ones to like kiss each other and it's obvious that they both well I think it's just so adorable it's so adorable like tugs at my heartstrings 
Yes. And I love how, like, you know, you haven't been able to hide, like, at all in the earlier episodes before this happened that you were a Piper and Leo shipper. Like, I was trying so hard to be like, maybe he'll get with Phoebe. I don't know. Who knows? (laughs) But, like, now that we're here, I'm like, yes, I'm in this. I've been in it since the beginning, and I'm so happy that this is happening right now. (laughs) Like, to all you motherfuckers, had you thinking that maybe Phoebe had a chance? No shot. I know I can't I'm not it's it's hard like to like pretend that I don't know what's going on with like certain relationships that I love so much you know what I mean I have a hard time hiding it but I'm glad that they're finally you know starting something between them yeah because I also I also definitely wanted Prue or I mean Piper to get him over Phoebe because we have yet to see her, like, I mean, Leo's kind of the first guy she really showed interest in, aside from Mark in that ep- one episode, but, you know, she's, like, Leo's reoccurred in several episodes now, and so obviously he's, you know, has a purpose here, and Piper's so smitten by him, and you don't see her like that for many people, you know, she gets all nervous and flustered, and, like, tries so hard when she's around him, and I just, like, meanwhile, like, with Phoebe, it's, like, a natural thing, you know, but you see Piper working so hard at it to get something to happen between them that it just makes me want it more for her, you know? Yeah, definitely, and I also think, like, it's really interesting to me the way that you know, who knows where his character will go from here, how long he'll be in the show, whatever. But the way that he's kind of just basically just introduced as a love interest, right? We don't know anything about him. It's not like Andy where he has a connection to the cases and the magical world in some way. All we know is that he he's this cute guy that Phoebe and Piper seem to be fighting over. And then he becomes Piper's love interest in this episode. Yeah, and I love it. I love it so much. <laughs> so excited to see where this goes. So after that, we go back to Prue's office, or we go back to Buckland's, and it's not in her office. They're actually at the elevators, and Rex comes up, and they say hi to each other, and Rex asks how Prue is doing, and she kind of is like, oh, I'm a nervous wreck because I'm about to go tell my boyfriend that I'm a witch, and, like, as she's saying that, Phoebe runs up and cuts her off because, obviously, the truth don't made her do that, and is like, oh, winner, winner. May <laughs> <laughs> just does something to cover it up, and then Phoebe introduces herself to Rex, and then her and Prue go back to Prue's office, and they start talking about about how Phoebe talked to Andy and got all the information on the victims, but there are no suspects, so there's still no way of finding the girl from the vision. And as uh, Phoebe is saying that to Prue, she runs into Tanya, the sandwich girl, and sees, like, and recognizes her and has, like, a little flashback of her vision. And she's like, oh my god, that's her. Like, that's the girl from my vision. So they go and run after Tanya but she already is in the elevator and the door is shut so they missed her and then we see Tanya in the elevator with the bad guy and he starts talking to her what what was her last name walk Parker Parker yeah yeah 
okay for some reason i wanted to say walker um and that's when he does his iconic line again where he's like excuse me are you miss parker tanya parker and starts talking to her and he um just makes some weird creepy like says some weird creepy thing about, yeah he like, says been the most you have been most difficult to find. to find never in the same place never alone yeah super weird like i if someone said that to me i would not i would be like hey can you walk me to my car like like to the person in the elevator next to me you know and then so after he says that we kind of cut to phoebe and prue like trying to get the elevator open and it's not working and phoebe so phoebe runs to go take the stairs while prue goes to get security and then we cut to the parking lot where the bad guy is like grabbing tanya and attacking her and phoebe comes up and sees this and she kind of pushes him off and then hits him over the head with something uh and has like just before right when his third eye shows so just before he gets the chance to like actually kill tanya but he does begin to shoot his laser at her and phoebe knocks him off just in time and then tanya runs to phoebe's car and once phoebe hits him she runs to the car too and they speed off before he can get them and then prue runs out with security as the girls are pulling out of the parking lot and so they all just kind of miss each other but the the bad guy sees prue and just gives her this like really angry look and that's how that one ends yeah i don't understand about the scene like how do prue and the security just not notice that guy just standing there and like suspect something or ask him any questions or anything you would think like obviously there was a guy who was after tanya and they're running away from something because of how hard they were speeding out of the parking lot there's one guy standing in the parking lot and you guys aren't a little concerned maybe that he might be the problem here. <laughs> like, she should have, I don't know how they didn't see him either. I always wondered that, but I don't know. So then we cut to the manor and Tanya is sitting on the couch with Phoebe. Tanya is on the phone talking to her husband Phoebe asks her if she has any kids or pets while she's kind of like dabbing her forehead where she has the little burn mark. Phoebe needs to explain to her that she's in danger. And obviously, you know, she can't keep secrets about why they had to protect her because of the truth spell. So she tells her that the thing that came after her was a demon and Tanya's kind of like, I'm out of here. Like, what the fuck? And then Phoebe tells her that she has visions and that She saw that Tanya is the next victim of this killer. She says, there are no coincidences. I was supposed to see you, to find you, and now I'm supposed to save you. And that's basically the end of that scene. Yeah. I didn't have too much to say about that scene either, except that it it kind of, like, made Tanya, like, Tanya looks so like innocent and adorable in that scene you know what I mean like she's very like like really me like <laughs> what are you talking about you know what I mean like she just I thought she was adorable there yeah I think they really paint Tanya in a lot of this episode in like a childlike way which I'm not a hundred percent sure how I feel about it why I don't know 
it just like something about the way they make her this like very like innocent like passive type of character throughout I don't know maybe when we talk about more scenes but just as far as this scene goes like I I do I think she's cute too but I just wonder why they chose to make her that way and kind of what their thought process was fair enough yeah I didn't think about it um I don't know (laughs) I just I just thought it was cute (laughs) (laughs) so after that we go to we cut to Quake and Piper is on the phone with Phoebe and talking talking to her about Tanya, but Piper's very distracted and stressing over work and she's just like, okay, you know what? I'll see you as soon as I can. And that's when Martin walks into the kitchen, and Piper goes up to him, and she starts to speak, but he cuts her off and he says and he says that he has to leave and something like that. And she's like, well, I have a family situation. And he's like, oh, so you'd like to go home and, you know, take care of that business. And she's like, yes, Martin, thank you for understanding. And he's like, well, don't thank me because the answer is no. And as soon as he said that, Piper kind of finally goes off and tells him off about everything and is like, I don't understand, like, how how is one person supposed to do all this work? And he says, because of the truth spell. I know you'll do it. Why spend my money on more employees when I know you'll do everything and not ask questions and it'll cost me like half the price, you know? So basically he admits that he's just using her, taking advantage of her completely. (laughs) And he's like, like Piper, I don't know why I just said that. And she's like, it's okay. Like the truth's out and so am I, you don't deserve me. And I quit. And I was like, yes, Piper. Yes. Tell him. Tell him. Like, Martin, what a pig. And people really act like that. Like, it's not, it's not even that far off from reality. Like, it's a bit dramatic, but it's also super realistic. Like, people in power positions like that will take advantage of anyone. Yeah, no, definitely. And I think it's such a, like, comment on you know, Piper is one of those people who's very, like, she enjoys helping other people, right? She's hardworking, she's compassionate, she's sweet, she's friendly. And it's easy for people like that to be taken advantage of by people like Martin who just suck and are just so cheap and unwilling to care about their employees and the people that they're supposed to be helping to provide for. Like, someone is doing a job for you, you're supposed to pay them for that job. You're not supposed to be like, what's the cheapest possible labor I can get to make myself successful and fuck everyone else over? Yeah, exactly. And that really is the mindset that a lot of people, especially I've noticed in the restaurant business, tend to have. And it's just, it's disgusting to me. You know, I feel like a lot of people have had maybe not as intense, but very similar situations like that at work. And it is, an, it is an actual issue and it's disgusting. And I feel like, unfortunately, it's not something that's ever going to really change or be stopped. You know, some people, when they get in, when they have power like that, when they're successful and rich, it just, they sometimes tend to lose respect for other people and only care about themselves. And it's disgusting, but it's just real life. 
But honestly, I think it's good to call attention to it because maybe it'll help people out there that are like Piper to know that, like, just because they're in charge doesn't mean you have to put up with it, you know, like, kind of a very, like, know your worth and what you deserve. You deserve a little respect. Like, that's that's all that it comes down to. I don't know. Like, you're a human. Why are you... Like, he, the way he was treating her was, like, actually dehumanizing. And it was pretty, pretty fucked up, you know? Like, I, I hated that. And I think it kind of brings me back to when Prue was interviewing at Buckland's and kind of the way she immediately stood up for herself and, like, what she deserves and what she offers. And I think seeing Piper coming into that same place here where she's starting to see the same value in herself is a really interesting character development. And I'm interested to see how that arc may continue in future episodes and as we go on in her career and in other parts of her life throughout the show. Yeah, this feels like the biggest milestone yet in her character, you know, the biggest, like the beginning of a change in this, you know, woman that we saw before who's very and even still see now who's very like nervous and anxious and passive like you know kind of just wants everyone to be happy even if it makes her unhappy kind of thing you know like she's a very sweet person but she she tends to let people walk all over her and I'm hoping that this beginning of her starting to stand up for herself may continue in the future you know and that we see that character development even more. Yeah, definitely. Mm -hmm. So then we go back to Buckland's and we see the bad guy who is following Prue to her office. But then she steps into her office and Andy is inside. So of course, because she's not alone, the bad guy leaves. And he's like, oh, how are you? And she says, a nervous wreck, you? And he says, hearts pounding like a sledgehammer. And he sits down she asks how well he thinks he knows her and he starts listing things that he knows about her and says that he wants to see her again and wishes that she trusted him enough to tell her whatever the to tell him whatever her secret is and she says you know what it would be easier for me to show you than to tell you and so she moves this little like paperweight thing on her desk with her mind and He's kind of like, oh, what the hell, and gets up, and she's like, I'm a witch, and he's, she kind of goes on to say, I wanted to tell you, but I couldn't, I couldn't tell anyone. He kind of says this wasn't what he thought she was hiding, and then he asks about if they have kids, if this would be something that would be passed down, are Piper and Phoebe witches too, and Prue explains that it kind of goes through the women in their family, so if she has kids and they're girls, they would also have powers and he kind of asks if this is something that she can get rid of and Prue says I can't change who I am and that's something I've come to accept recently but the question is can you accept it and he says to her I don't know and that's kind of how we end that scene yeah so kind of a bitter moment right there oh yeah that hurt that stung but it is, I mean, I guess it is a lot to take in. I don't, I don't know that how, I feel like the way I would have reacted to something like that, totally different. Like, I would be hyped up. 
I would be shocked. I'd be like, no way. Like, tell me more. How does this work? Can you show me some magic? Like, give me a butt lift. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I'd be, <laughs> I'd be all over the place asking for shit. Like, <laughs> but I guess, I guess he cares more about their future and their love life and what he, you know, whatever, Andy. Yeah, um, you know, I kind of asked it in previous episodes too, but I really want to know what did Andy think the secret was? Because obviously this isn't what he was expecting. And I think from the questions he asked, it's very clear that when he thought of a future with Prue, he thought of something very serious, right? He was thinking of them being married and having kids and being a family. And this kind of throws off his whole image of what their life was going to become. Now, of course, because of the short-natured time of this spell, as we'll see later in the episode, it's hard to know whether or not this is something that he would have needed time to think about. Because I think that when your entire image of someone is kind of just completely changed in a moment, the way his is here, I understand the reaction of not knowing whether or not you're ready to accept this. Because at the end of the day, when he does see that serious future with her, her being a witch isn't something that just affects her anymore, right? This is, if he wants to have a family with her, this is going to affect him too, because whatever happens down the line, right? I don't think he knows the extent of it, but it's obvious that being a witch is dangerous. That's obviously what caused the tension between, you know, Victor and the girl's mother. So would the same thing happen for Andy down the line when you realize that all these evil beings are going to come and as a human man, I'm not going to be able to do anything about it. Obviously, I don't think his mind has gone that far quite yet, but I think those are concerns that if they were able to have a longer conversation because they weren't interrupted by the monster of the week, kind of playing in the middle of this and keeping them from having a longer conversation at this point. I wonder if he could have come to accept it or if he still would have been unsure if they could have just sat and really talked about each of these concerns that he has. Yeah, you're right. It is it's it is a lot a lot to think about because I guess I didn't really think about it like that that it really did put such a rift in these ideas that he always had about their future together it does change everything and it is a big thing because she did tell him all about how this is the reason that they end up at all these crime scenes and why this and that has happened to them and so it is very clear how dangerous being a witch is and that's got to be a big concern too to know that you know he doesn't he wouldn't have the power to protect the woman he loves and you know his children in moments where those evil beings would come around you know like he's i'm sure that's terrifying to him and i guess we don't really know if he's thought about that yet like if that was one of the first things that came to his mind but we kind of get hinted at it when he mentions like when he brings up children and asks if they'd get the powers too so yeah no I agree I think you're right and it does suck it it is unfortunate that you know not only are they being interrupted by this monster of the week character but they also have a very short time span I mean 
this is a really big moment and a big thing to think about. And I feel like 24 hours isn't really enough time. Like you need to be able to sleep on something like this and really think about it and talk about it before kind of making an actual decision, you know, like it can't just happen right off the bat, which we'll kind of run into an issue with that later on in the episode too. Yeah, because when we're thinking about it, they don't even have the full 24 hours, right? Because they were meeting at five, the spell is over at eight. So that's a three hour time span to think about it. And it makes me wonder, had he answered that call, had he had the full 24 hours to think about it, what would have happened then? What conversation would they have been able to have the night before, before this monster really came up and they had to immediately react to the situation? Right. Right. Yeah. Things could have played out much different. And I, I mean, I kind of have more to add on to that, but we'd have to wait until we see further along in the episode what happens. So uh, I'll just bring it up then. (laughs) (laughs) So after that, we go back to the manor and Piper, Phoebe and Tanya are in the living room. And Tanya's looking in the Book of Shadows, trying to see if she recognizes anything in there as the demon that attacked her. And they kind of, the girls are trying to sit there and connect the dots between all the victims and kind of what they have in common. And Tanya doesn't really understand how she relates to any of them because she's just a sandwich girl, while the other victims have been like, a lab technician, a scientist, like a doctor, all of those, you know, bigger roles. And then Tanya's like, I don't understand. Like, I'm just a sandwich girl. Do you really think he's after me? And Phoebe touches her and she gets this vision. And in the premonition, it's Tanya rocking a baby, obviously her own child. And she still looks about the same age. So we see that that's pretty like, near time you know like it's in the short future and then phoebe just is kind of like shocked and is like uh piper like i need to talk to you in the kitchen and so her and piper go in the kitchen and she tells piper that she's pregnant and that she doesn't know yet and they kind of decide that they don't think they should tell her because it's a lot and you know that's a lot going on right now and also i mean it's not really their place to tell her i guess And then Phoebe kind of suggests that maybe the demon wants her baby. And Piper's like, well, how would he know that she's pregnant? And Phoebe's like, well, I don't know. Maybe he sees the future too, or maybe he's from it. And then because she remembers about the button that Andy had told her about that was made out of a different material that no one's ever seen before. And she's like, well, there's a button that isn't supposed to exist, a demon that the Book of Shadows says doesn't exist, and a baby that nobody knows exists. Like, do you have a better explanation? And so they kind of start talking about how they'll find this demon now, and Phoebe says that he saw her at Buckland's when she was with Prue. And so that's when they kind of realize, like, oh my god, the demon saw her with Prue, obviously he's going to go after her, so she's in danger. So one thing I love in a lot of these episodes is the way it always seems to be Phoebe that's putting the pieces together about the connections about these demons. And it just shows us how clever Phoebe really is. I think it's not a trait that people call her out for often. 
but she's always so quick to make those connections like either he sees the future or he's from it and she's so quickly able to piece together this evidence that he is from the future and I just love seeing the way her mind works like that yeah it's true I feel like I mean Prue's like the strong one Piper she's very like just kind of she's more like a follow the leader you know like she Prue and Phoebe usually take the the lead and Piper just kind of follows along and does whatever she she's supposed to do to help whatever they ask her to and Phoebe always seems to be the one that connects the dots does does the most research in moments like these she's always like really really in it in tune with like magic and being a witch and like her own mind she does it is really clever like these are things that I probably wouldn't piece together or at least it would take me some time and she's really quick with it and right on point every single time and it is really it's I love her she's so amazing (laughs) she's really smart and I like that they show that she actually you know even though she's this unemployed college dropout or whatever like she's she's still this really smart person and a really good person and has really good character and it's kind of like hopeful you know like okay even though I'm not completely you know set straight in my life right now you can still have this confidence and still have this motivation to continue on and look forward to that in the future to find you know like to not give up yeah definitely I think Phoebe's one of the best role models in the show, honestly, for, like, young women watching it for the first time. 100%. Not that, not to say, you know, like, Piper or Prue aren't good role models. They are as well. But I think that Phoebe's kind of, like, the unexpected one. And as we see her growing from episode one just to episode eight, how many just incredible things we notice about her character that we might not have seen in episode one, I really love the way they develop her in these few episodes into this, you know, smart, brave, amazing young woman. Yeah. It really is the role model. Like, that's the kind of person that you want to be. (laughs) And I love that. I love that Phoebe's that person. So then we leave that scene, and we go back to Buckland, where Prue is at her desk, and Hannah enters. And she's kind of like, you know, lock up when you leave. You're going to be the last one out. And then she says, I'm sorry. And Prue says, well, you don't mean that. And Hannah's like, no, of course I don't. And then she's kind of like, oh, fuck. And she goes to get in the elevator. And that's when the bad guy walks into the hallway. So Prue's packing up her desk. And that's when the bad guy comes in now he never gets named in the episode but the subtitles called him gavin in this scene so i was like oh okay i guess the bad guy's name is gavin yeah i don't know (laughs) so he does his iconic line and he's like are you miss hallowell prue hallowell and he says he's looking for someone and prue's kind of like well i find objects not people And he says, well, I think you know this woman I'm looking for. You were with her before. And it becomes clear that he's asking about Phoebe. Prue's kind of like, well, what do you want with her? And he's like, she's hiding the woman I was sent back to kill. Then he starts to seem 
physically pained to be telling Prue his plan because she asks more questions and eventually he's like, I want what's inside her, which is just the grossest thing you could possibly say. And she keeps asking questions about, you know, why he's killing these people and stuff. And he says they're all pieces of the puzzle, pieces of the vaccine. And he starts moving towards her to attack her. And that's when she uses her power to throw her desk at him and runs out of the room. Yeah, so I don't even know really what to say about this scene. <laughs> it's it's pretty much just Prue being in danger, um, like Phoebe put together already, and the demon going after her, Gavin. <laughs> yeah. And honestly, this show loves nothing more than having the villains explain a plot to us that the other characters have already figured out, and we don't need to hear the plan reiterated by the person doing the plan. Like, we already got what was happening. They did that really bad with Jeremy, too, I remember. But, I mean, I don't... At least in this one, they they gave it a little more of an excuse. Like... They tend to, like, have that happen as if, like, like to make it kind of confirmation that what the girls are thinking is happening is actually what's happening. And I feel like a lot of shows do stuff like that. And it is very, like, okay, like, we get it. Like, like trust your audience. We're not stupid. Yeah. <laughs> we can figure that have out. A little, have a little faith in us that we can put two and two together. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but at least it wasn't as bad as it was with the episode with Jeremy where they just had him go on a whole ramble for no reason at all. Or like, like Wong and Dead Man dating. <laughs> yeah, like at least now they have the excuse where, you know, it's like, oh, he's saying all this because she's asking him in the truth spell, you know, so I guess that's yeah. a little And I guess a, technically a Prue didn't up. know yet, only Piper and Phoebe knew already, so. Yeah, true. They had to find a way to get her to figure it out. I guess I guess it makes a little more sense in these episodes. But yeah, Wong telling Piper <laughs> Wong telling Piper about his passport and his trip to Hong Kong and like fucking his social security number. Like I don't <laughs> unnecessary and Jeremy too. Like this is a definitely a common theme for this show. <laughs> but it's okay. It's kind of funny. Then after this, we go back to the manor and Piper is trying to call Prue and she's not picking up the phone and Phoebe goes up to Piper basically is like you have to go to Buckland alone because someone needs to stay with Tanya she can't be here alone we'll have the book of shadows here and like Piper has the active power so she should be the one to go you know where the demon is and then they're like okay and then Piper leaves. The only thing I wanted to add in that scene, I really love when Phoebe says it can't always be the power of three because I think that's something we haven't learned yet in the show because it has so far every time they've had a battle been the three of them together. So I like that this is the first time we're kind of diverting from that pattern and we're going to see just two of them fighting the monster of the week together. Yeah, also in that moment, Piper seemed kind of nervous about the idea of being the one to have to like take charge you know take action she was like but we need you like I I can't do this without you you know and I think as much as this episode has been about Andy and Prue we also see a lot of subtle character development from Piper you know 
like even there when she's saying that it shows like that lack of confidence that she has in herself but she still can do it and you know at the end of the day pull through yeah no definitely until you said that I didn't even recognize this as such a big moment of kind of like self-reliance and self-growth for Piper so I really like that you added that yeah she's like I noticed that like that's why I love that moment too where where or uh Phoebe's kind of like because it's very and it's very obvious too that everybody sees that she can do it except for her because in that moment Phoebe's like Piper like like you gotta step up here and like talking to her like you have to understand that like this is something you can handle you know Mm -hmm. And it's like, everyone has this faith in you and you just don't see that in yourself. And I'm hoping that like, like, I feel like this was a big step, kind of like, I know it's stupid, but it was kind of a big step for Piper, her character, at least. And I'm hoping that that progresses and she, you know, builds that confidence and that faith in herself and becomes this like, strong person like Phoebe and Prue are, you know? Yeah, definitely. Um, So then we're in like kind of this storage room in Buckland's and Prue's running down the stairs and Gavin is following her and he's kind of yelling like, I've got eight and a half months to find Tanya, plenty of time. And Prue keeps running and she hides behind this thing of crates. He kind of says, yours, like referring to her time, yours, however, has run out. And it's just like, okay, good line, Gavin. (laughs) then that's when Piper arrives at Buckland's and she goes to Prue's office and she sees the huge mess and Prue's purse on the floor and everything and she runs out trying to find Prue then we're back in the storage room where Gavin's saying you can't hide from me forever and Prue asks about the vaccine and he does this like gross evil laugh and he says that it protects against me and all other warlocks like me And he says that the Parker child brings together all the elements to create it. And that's when Gavin finds her. He kind of grabs her by the neck and lifts her up. And that's when Piper enters and freezes him and kind of gets Prue free from his grasp. And then they start arguing over who's going to whack him in the head with a crowbar. And that's when he unfreezes and they stab him right through his third eye. That's when he yells and he kind of like lights up and dies. And then this kind of blue smoke portal appears and he gets sucked into it and I guess return to the future or whatever. Yeah, that's that. I mean, I assumed that's what that portal was saying, like was doing, just taking him back to the future. I mean, uh, it's kind of cool, though, that effect I, I thought looked kind of cool. <laughs> yeah, it, it was one of the better ones in this episode. Yeah, definitely. As opposed to some we've had in the past (laughs) but yeah I I just want to point out like I think it was so funny like the way they just had to add in that little like argument between Prue and Piper where they're like no you you hit him you hit him like I'm no not me you hit him I thought that was just like a perfect little like suit like you guys didn't have to add that in but it just kind of like added so much to the scene like it just made it so much better I don't know why Yeah, and I think it's nice to have this kind of, like, comedic moment in this scene before we get to the next scene. Yeah, the next scene is (laughs) a little little too intense for my liking. 
so after that, they killed the demon, and we cut to Andy's apartment, and he's kind of, like, walking walking into his apartment, which I'm a little confused about, because didn't she pull up one time, and he had a house? Yeah, like, at first I thought his apartment was a two-family house, but apparently now it's inside an apartment building, so, yeah, you know. I'm all- continuity you know how people move all the time we do (laughs) i don't think normal people move multiple times in the same calendar year i think that's just an us thing but you know you never know i feel like it's been like for both of us it's just been like that our whole lives like we've always been moving around (laughs) all over the place but anyways yeah so now they're outside of andy's apartment and Prue is just waiting outside of his door. And as he's walking up, she says she needs to know how he feels about what she told him before. And he's like, you know, like, I don't know. I still don't know yet. And she's like, no, I need to know now. I need to know before 8 o'clock. And he's kind of like, doesn't really want to do that. But she's like, I can't come in. Like, I need to know now. Can you or can you not accept the fact that I'm a witch? And he says... He says, if I have to answer right now, I don't think so, Prue. Like, it's just not a future I envision having. And then it, you just see pure pain from Prue. Like, absolute heartbreak in her face. And she, ugh, it hurts. And then the clock turns, like, strikes 8 o'clock and Andy instantly forgets everything that just happened and he's like wait what what were we talking about again and Prue is like tearing up like tears streaming down her face and she's like you don't remember anything you said to me in the last 24 hours and he's like no and then asks her if she wants to come inside and she says no I have to go and then they they kiss and then she leaves and he looks hurt as well like it was very obvious like even though he didn't know what what the hell was going on and what happened that it just kind of felt like a a weird ending you know like something obviously just happened and Prue turns the corner and she kind of stops and is like leaning on the wall around the corner and just is like horribly sad like just really really sad it's so heartbreaking it is honestly like I was crying during the scene and honestly my one complaint about the scene I wish the camera had stayed on her just a little longer before they cut out of the scene like I wanted one more moment with her in that sadness and I felt it ended a little bit too soon but overall I think this was such a strong scene like it was just devastating from beginning to end and seeing this as possibly the end of Prue and Andy forever is just it's just heartbreaking I know and even I mean you can see too like kind of what I was gonna mention before and what we had talked about a little bit how the time frame that he had to think about it really it wasn't it wasn't much for something as big as this. And I don't think it was really, I think even, even he was like, 
you know, pretty much like only because I have to answer right now, I'm going to say no, you know, like that's what I'm leaning towards in the moment. And it just kind of sucks because it's like, well, he had to answer so fast. He had to come to this decision. She was forcing it out of him that like, you know, we still don't really know if that's actually like if it could have played out different. And that's another reason that makes this so sad is that we don't even know. But I feel like, you know, we're able to realize that the audience that, you know, it was a short time frame. He didn't this may not have been like it could have gone down differently. Um, but Prue, I feel like kind of denies that in her head. And like, because I think she had such like, like she was so worried that he wasn't going to be able to accept it, that as soon as he said that, even though he was like, you know, just because I have to answer right now, that like she took it as like, no, you're never going to change your mind. You know, like she was like, I knew it. Like I knew it. I was never going to, like it couldn't work out for me. I knew being a witch, I couldn't do this and be happy because she had kind of like hinted at things like that in previous episodes. And it, it just sucks to think that all of that is running through her mind. Yeah. And it also makes me wonder because, you know, the point of this spell is kind of, can she trust Andy with the secret, right? And I feel like what he's saying here is he doesn't know if he can be with her if she's a witch. He's not saying you can't trust me with your secret. He's not saying I'm going to go report you to the FBI and the witch hunters, right? He's saying, I don't know if this can be my life, which I think is fair. And I think that maybe had she decided to tell him for real, right? I think he is someone she could have trusted with the secret. And even if that ultimately didn't mean they got back together because he couldn't handle it, I don't think he would have betrayed her trust in any way, knowing even if they didn't end up together afterward. No, definitely not. And I think, I think honestly, Prue was less concerned about that. Like, I feel like that was more of just an excuse that she was saying. Like, she didn't, like, I think she obviously knew Andy wouldn't ever do that to her you know like he wouldn't like he loves her too much to go and be like oh I'm gonna report you and like this and that it was I think more for her she was just dying to know if he could like accept that about her you know if like because that was the one like ish the main issue in their relationship was this secret that's what was holding them back and keeping them apart and causing so many problems and so for her to like always be wondering and then finally get the answer and it's just that you know it's just disappointment like it's hard you know like it's it's hard to watch I just like I don't know it's so hard to talk about this scene because I'm just like so destroyed by it like I don't even know what to say beyond that and what we've already said yeah I don't either honestly it's like it's hard to even describe because we're not you know you you know you guys listening obviously can't see us but it's so intense and they play it really well like the emotion the pain proves like sadness and heartbreak that you can just instantly see like immediately tears streaming down her face and you can see how hard she's trying to keep it together and it's just not working like it's uh 
It hurts. It's literally making me, like, want to cry right now. I know. Honestly, kudos to both of them in this scene because, like, their chemistry shines through. Even in these moments where they're breaking each other's heart, you just see every bit of emotion that they clearly still have for each other and that it's just, it's not going anywhere. Right. Yeah, I guess let's move on to the final scene of the episode. So (laughs) then then we're at Quake, and Piper and Phoebe are at a table, and they're like, it's 820, the spell is over, the world is a safe place. That's when Martin approaches and obviously doesn't remember that Piper had quit, only they remember. She goes to Martin, and she tells him what they need, like as in more employees and everything and that if he doesn't agree to it that she'll quit and he says what took you so long all you had to do was ask and then she says see you tomorrow it's my night off and kind of like leaves and as she's heading out of the kitchen she almost hits leo with the door and leo says i wanted to see you i have this really strange feeling i did something i should apologize for did i And she says no, and that she'll buy him a drink. And they kind of go off together. And that's when Prue comes to Phoebe, who's sitting at the table. And Phoebe kind of asks her what happens. And Prue said that she got her answer, and she's clearly very upset. So Phoebe knows what the answer is. And the two of them hug, and that's where the episode ends. You forgot to mention that Prue cries in Phoebe's arms. (laughs) True. Uh, it's so sad. It's just so heartbreaking. What a, like, horrible way for the episode to end. It really does leave me, like, because of the things we've talked about where it's like, well, you know, that wasn't enough time. So it's, we don't know how accurate that ant- that response was. So it's like, it's kind of weird because I still am left with a little bit of hope that, like, well, maybe, you know, something will change and maybe he'll, if she tells him for real, then she'll, you know, he'll have more time to think about it and maybe accept it. Who knows? But I know at the moment, like, it just feels like most likely this is the end for them. And that's so hard to think about, but I'm just, I'm hanging on. Yeah. And I'll also say I love that this final scene kind of has this moment and it's it's not between Piper and Prue, right? It's between Phoebe and Prue. And that really touches me because we've seen so many times throughout the season, Prue just so unwilling to open up to Phoebe about her relationship with Andy. So to kind of have Phoebe be the one to comfort her in this moment where it's over, it just really, really... It was really beautiful to me, and I like that that's the choice that was made there. Me too. Yeah, I like that they had it end up being Phoebe instead of Piper. It also shows kind of like a little more stability in the relationship between Phoebe and Prue. So it's almost like the girls all end up a little bit stronger here, like their relationship ends up a little stronger, and Piper builds up more this you know self-confidence but everything else about it like the whole Andy and Prue thing it's just horribly horrible <laughs> it's devastating 
Yeah. So it's a pretty shitty way for it to end, but is what it is. It was a good it was a good scene. It was a good episode overall. Yeah, no, definitely. You know, as of the episodes we've watched so far, this is my favorite episode we've watched so far. Even though it's definitely the saddest and it breaks my heart, I think this is probably the best episode of season one so far. Yeah, I feel like I've never appreciated it as much as I have this time around. Now that we've like talked about it and I see a lot more kind of subtle things that are thrown in there, like, you know, with Piper, with Phoebe and Prue, with Prue and Andy, all of those things, I feel like, I feel like they they showed a lot in this episode, a lot of development, a lot of plot, a lot of storylines, like, and they structured it beautifully, too, you know, like, it wasn't all just thrown in there together, it was spaced out and all connected, like, I love the way they do that. I think it's very, I think it was really creative. Yeah, definitely. I think this is a, you know, strong episode in every aspect. Like, yeah, there were a couple of minor things that I pointed to that could have been changed a little bit, but overall, I think this is exactly what I wanted episode to be. It has, you know, that monster of the week element, but it also has so much personal development for the main characters and that's exactly what I want to be happening in every week's episode. Yeah. Definitely, I agree. Oh, yeah, so good episode, but a depressing one. And that's that's where we end off. <laughs> Thanks for listening to this week's episode. If you want to reach out to us or follow us on social media, we're on Instagram and TikTok at rewitched underscore pod. You can also send us an email to rewitched.pod at gmail.com. Join us back next time for season one, episode nine, The Witch is Back.